Trent Voices, the Trent University Alumni Affairs Show on Trent Radio. I'm your host, Donald Fraser of Alumni Affairs. It is Tuesday, September 29th, and this is episode 15. Today in the studio, we have a Canadian musical pioneer. He's released 36 albums and CDs. His first record, Moose Tracks, is considered one of the first independent albums released in Canada. Songs such as Wood Smoke and Oranges and Tiger Lily Road, well, they become part of the national fabric. He's an established playwright. He's an incredible photographer. He's an adventurer, and his wanderings and work have him included as a fellow in the Royal Canadian Geographic Society. He's had Juno nominations and a Juno Award. He's got a closet full of awards from both theater and music. Plus, He's got an honorary degree from from Lakehead University. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I am pleased to welcome back to Peterborough the one and the only Ian Tamblin. Welcome, Ian. Thank you very much. Uh, we've, uh, we've got a ton of ground to cover and we've only got a short time to do it, but I want to start off with a little bit of geography. Um, you were at Trent from, from what years? Mm, 67 to 71. 67. And, and during that period, uh, kitty corner to where we are right now at Trent radio, uh, there, there's now a laundromat, but it, it wasn't always the laundromat. What was here when, uh, when you were at Trent? Mm, here was the beginning of the country style don't empire. I'm not sure if it was, it might have been the very first one, I'm not sure, but it was a late night hangout for for university students, insomniacs, uh, bikers, you know, car fans, people getting off uh, the 4 to 12 shift at uh, General Electric or uh, Outboard Marine, you know, that, it was a, a collecting space and now I see it's now a, a laundromat that these things happen. Well, it's, it's incredible. It actually sounds like it was a great cross section of Peterborough all showing up for the same communal purpose of uh, of fried fried dough and caffeine. It was, and it was also sort of a uh, uh, demilitarized zone between the town and the gown. So that's part of the reason I hung out there. It was kind of interesting. It wasn't. It certainly wasn't an academic world there. I'm going to talk a little bit in a bit about uh, about the blend of town and gown that you represent with your relationship with Peterborough and Trent. But but before that, uh, I want to make sure that we've got time for a couple of songs. Big eyes, 
back to Trent Voices. I'm your host, Donald Fraser. I'm here with songwriter, playwright, Arctic adventurer, photographer. I'm just going to call him a renaissance man, Ian Tamblin. Ian, we were just talking about what you were doing in this neighborhood, uh, you know, several decades ago. Let's, let's fast forward to 2015. So you've crisscrossed Canada probably more times than you remember. Um, you now live in Chelsea, Quebec. What does it feel like when you come back to Peterborough? What's, what's the vibe like for you? Uh, it's not dissimilar, you know. I mean, it's changed. Uh, I remember uh, just coming in, I used to go by the Lady Diana, I think it was, and I remember going to see Bobby Curtola there. Bobby Curtola was a, a kind of a pop singer in the 
in my hometown in Thunder Bay in the 60s. And I had never seen him there. And, and yet he, he had the same car, kind of car, <laughs> as my dad did. It was a Pontiac Grand Prix, 1964. And for some stupid reason, we went, Ken Ham and I and Amanda went to see Bobby Curtola at the Lady Diana, it was, uh, or the Miss Diana, or whatever it was called. So it's now the, the Trent wins, I think. And, I mean, that was, you know, that was going in, but there's lots, lots of other things that are the same, you know. The, the courthouse is the same, downtown's the same. Um, in many ways, the, the biggest change in in Peterborough is that the university has grown so much. It's not it's not six hundred people like it was when I went there. No, it's it's more it's more like seven thousand. And uh, do you get the opportunity to to go out and, and stomp around up there? Uh, well, I went the uh, reunions last uh, summer. I, I visited because I was uh, doing something with the symposium. Um, uh, last August, so yeah, I did go out there, and that's quite—I mean, it's—it's it's quite amazing to see. You know, I didn't know there were seven thousand people. <laughs> Mind you, I'm—I'm I'm now working at teaching songwriting at Carleton, and there's, I think, twenty-five thousand plus at Carleton. Well, the country gets keeps on getting bigger, and we're, and we're cranking out more and more grads, and uh, it, it shows on 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 these big, these big campus properties. Um, but one thing I, I should say that remains the same is is that that line highway 7 that goes between Ottawa and Peterborough yeah it is in some sense the most unchanged yeah sure the pavement's better now and but it's it's kind of a heartache highway you know because you see people trying to make a living off it and then 3 or 4 years later you see kind of the burnt out skeleton of that of that hope and uh, that's unchanged um, in in all the time that I've traveled, it is it in some ways is is really the connecting tissue, and it remains unchanged. It's interesting, and and we've uh, we've chatted before, and we've we've also chatted about about roads and highways before in the past. Um, I I think that stretch between uh, between Peterborough and and Ottawa is incredible. It's uh, it's it's a lonely beauty. I think that that's along there. Um, but uh, at the same time, we've talked about the road between here and Thunder Bay, where where you come from, and you've got uh, you've got kind of a, a special soft spot for that stretch as well, don't you? Well, yeah, the, certainly. Uh, I don't have a real soft spot between Sudbury and, and Sault Ste. Marie because I hitchhiked it a fair bit and was chased by dogs a few <laughs> times. So I don't. I mean, although it's kind of interesting now because in in parts towards Sault Ste. Marie, there's a lot of Mennonite farms and and seeing those buggies by the side of the road and and the stokes of 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 grain is kind of quaint. Uh, I don't think that the Mennonite lifestyle is for me. Mm -hmm. uh, but it sort of makes it kind of interesting. But the the real interest comes on the north shore of Lake Superior. It's a it's a challenging road and it's spectacularly beautiful and anybody who decides to save time and go up through Cochrane and that that flat road is um, well they're missing out on on so much uh, well and it's a, it's a road well trod for you as well because uh, you were, you were a Thunder Bay kid yeah I grew up in in Thunder Bay and 
I go back there. My brother and sister live in Rossport, Ontario, and my sister lives in Blind River. So I go up there pretty much every year. In the last number of years, I've been guiding a, a Vorgier canoe trip that goes from Rossport to Red Rock, and then I play at the Red Rock Folk Festival. So that's that's been fun and another way of of connecting with that part of the country and and particularly the the lake. When whenever uh, whenever I think of Blind River, I, I think of uh, of Neil Young and, and Long May You Run. And when you were when you were a young writer, um, you know your area of Thunder Bay in Fort William was actually a, a bit of a a hot spot for up and coming Canadian writers and musicians, wasn't it? It was, and I I remember I for a brief time I was a roadie for Neil Young and the Squires. <laughs> And uh, he had that that hearse. It was named Mort, you know, for obvious reasons. Um, but what was good about Mort was that it had a, a kind of a, a power gurney on the back, so that you know if you if you wanted to lift a body into there, you know, in a in a coffin, you could. But it would work just as well for amps. So you just put the the amps on the back and then turned it on and it lifted it up and then you just pushed it in just like you would a coffin. So it was, I mean, it, it had a certain cachet. As Neil himself said, when you park a, a hearse in front of the gig, people notice. <laughs> um, so, so you're a Thunder Bay guy. Um, you're, you're, you're playing around in, uh, in, in that, that kind of Northern Thunder Bay, Winnipeg jam that's, that's going on up there. Um, and, and yet you, you decide to go uni- to university not in Thunder Bay, but in, in Peterborough, Ontario, hundreds of miles to the south. What, uh, what brought you this direction? Well, there was a good reason for it. My dad was president of Lakehead University, and my t- politics were never uh, never the same as my dad's. And um, my dad was a, a post-war liberal and uh, a very successful one. Um, but I don't know, for some reason or another, um, my politics were somewhat to the left of, of his. And so we mutually decided that it would be best for me not to go to Lakehead University, even though the tuition would have been free. <laughs> it, it, it's interesting because you've, you've described Trent as a place of glorious eccentrics, but you've also pointed out in, in the past that you had a kind of checkered academic past. And, and yet you, uh, you also point out how much at home you felt in this place of, of glorious eccentrics. <laughs> what, was it, what was it like para- parachuting into to Trent University as a young man? Well, what I parachuted into and what others did was not really the intention of what Trent University was going to be. It was going to be, I think, or in the minds of the founding fathers and mothers, um, it was supposed to be Oxford on the autonomy. But the people that were attracted here um, were eccentrics, and they weren't necessarily all from the family compact of Ontario. And, and so what happened was um, that the, the gowns were abandoned within three years. But Trent's reputation as a free-thinking institution, I think, uh, kind of trumped that, I, I think, it trumped the facade and became something that was genuinely interesting, without really compromising the, the uh, some the principles of of the institution. 
you're you're a guy of words, and we're going to get to how you're a guy of words in in a little bit because it's not just lyrics. Although the lyrics are, are, are I think, a major component of of your compositional side. Uh, but words come from somewhere, and, and we're 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 influenced uh, a lot by where we come from and who we meet. How did Trent University affect you and and your love of words? Well, it was there was a continuum, I guess. Um, been writing a little bit about this because of a, a, a store that was in, in Port Arthur, actually part of Thunder Bay, and it was the record center. It was run by a, a Swedish communist by the name of Einar Nordstrom, and he introduced me to all, you know, all kinds of records, and it just was a whole other world. But part of that, too, was I ended up sort of writing short stories at that time before I before I took up the guitar. And he would get the Village Voice in there, and um, my parents had a subscription to New Yorker magazine. And I, you know, read all the short stories in New Yorker magazine, and um, just, I started writing then. And then I had a really good, two English teachers that were really good, one at a reform school in North Bay, uh, a guy by the name of Mr. Sampson, and then Peter Hurl at Fort William at uh, Selkirk High. They were both turned on the light for me. And so when I got to Trent, I sort of got involved in Arthur, the, the mm -hmm. newspaper, and then I became the editor of uh, The Sword. Uh, so it was kind of just a logical extension of what I had been doing in, in Thunder Bay. Very cool. Um, but then, then you came here and, and you started making music. Well, first of all, you, you didn't start making music. This happened well before you got to Peterborough. Yeah, but not much before. I was really a late starter. I was kind of interested and, and watched people play in, in Thunder Bay. But, you know, I was fascinated by music, and music in many ways completely saved my life. But as a listener, I, I mean, when I was in high school and not doing particularly well at it, I think one of the reasons I've realized is that I would stay up till 4 o'clock in the morning listening to radio stations in the United States, particularly WS in Chicago and then a country station in Wheeling, West Virginia. And um, so I listened to music intently before taking up the instrument in grade 12. So I was only played two years before coming here. Hmm. But I was, I was writing then because part of the conceit that some friends of mine that I had in Thunder Bay was we could write our own songs. After all, Bob Dylan lived only 140 miles from <laughs> us, and he was writing about, um, you know, the place where rivers freeze and summer ends, you know, and and, and a girl from the North Country. And so he was a neighbor of ours. And so in some way we thought, well, why can't we do it? Where Highway 61 really begins, which is Fort William. <laughs> um, it's so. Th so you leave there and you, and you show up at Trent, and uh, you know you've you're you're fueled by Dylan, you're fueled by by some other folks. What All did, those guys. What, what did you see when you when you landed here? When when you looked around and 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 surveyed the musical landscape, what did Peterborough look like? Well, a, remarkably similar because there are all kinds of people, whether uh, was Chris Cuddy was here, Peter Craig uh, was here. Um, there were some local people that were playing as well. Paul Butler was playing rock music. There, there's no distinction between somebody um, 
of playing rock music or folk music was just it was just music. Don Tapscott was a great organ player, yeah. you know, and and uh, then there was on the pop side there was uh, Stephen Stone and uh, Chris Ward, and then locally there was uh, Dennis O'Toole at that time was writing fabulous poetry, mm -hmm. and 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 then Dennis Delorme just lived down the road in Oshawa. Uh, there was uh, Zeke Masaryk. On all these guys sort of ended up sort of in in the uh, in the territory and so it was it was just a continuation of of a scene that was part of Thunder Bay or it was in Oshawa and yeah. ended up sort of uh, coming together here in Peterborough there's something in the water and I've said this uh, over and over again uh, on, on the show and on this podcast there's something in the water in Peterborough and Trent University that for a community this size, we pump out extraordinary music and extraordinary musicians. And uh, so many of them have left and gone on to do other things. Uh, others are still sticking around. Uh, folks like Dennis O'Toole, I see Dennis every every couple of weeks. Uh, folks like Catfish, Willie. Are you going to get a chance to, to catch up with some of these guys when you're in town? I hope so. Good. I hope so. I'm, I'm hanging around tomorrow. Oh, good. So I, I hope, hope to, and I'll, I'll go see Dennis for sure. So... You take a look at Bob Dylan and you say, well, why can't we do this? And then you do do it. You, you, you do something like Moose Tracks where... <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'd like to have that one back to tell you the truth. <laughs> I mean, it is, it's interesting only mm -hmm. in that it was one of the first. But, you know, uh, I, I mean, now I'm looking at students that I teach. Their first songs are so much better than mine. I just, like... My first songs were, well, I learned a lot from the from the experience. But um, as I said, the only thing that's good about it was that it was a first. Well, and and, and that's really what I want to get at. It, in fact, uh, because it's really a springboard uh, for your attitude towards uh, recording and selling and touring. It's, uh, I mean, it's one of the first independent albums in Canada. And when I think of you, I, I consider you you know, uh, uh, a primary independent musician, you, uh, you, you record your way, you, um, you sell your way and you tour your way. Um, you, you're very interesting. So in, in, instead of, instead of being in Toronto, you're in, you're in Orono, uh, on, on this trip, you are, uh, you're doing a, you know, a little mini tour and, uh, you've got Wakefield and Brooklyn, Ontario. Last time you were here, you were on your way to Meaford. And uh, so this this is a, this is an independent. I'm gonna say a stubbornly independent <laughs> career. Well, arc. a fool. Another <laughs> you can spell that fool, um, and certainly a confused one at that at this point because, uh, um, in in many ways, I wonder uh, I wonder of the path that I've chosen. You know, um, because it it it's now it, it's now quite quite changed the the recording. A paradigm which I sort of pioneered is 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 com commonplace out of mm -hmm. everybody's everybody's house. You can record a, an album now and a decent one, um, but what has changed is is actually the whole everything about it. You know, I, I've I'm on tour now in many ways to hopefully. Uh, clean out my basement of the CDs <laughs> that I have there, and they're good. But the the you know 
every year you wonder is this uh, is this the last year that you can sell these things i don't know i'm gonna i really I'm, don't i'm gonna leave this on a cliffhanger note because we're we're gonna be back and and uh this is pre-recorded but next week when we come back there's gonna be a second half of this interview and i'm gonna leave it as a cliffhanger you know will this process be able to continue because i'm gonna ask what is next for ian tamblin but we cannot go without uh, without hearing a bit more music from you. Um, I think uh, this time we are going to go with uh, well, one of your one of your latest projects is uh, is is walking in the footsteps, celebrating the group of seven. Yeah, it's a fundraiser for the Art Gallery of Sudbury. Yeah, let's uh, let's why don't you set up a, a track off of that? Uh, this song is called Higher Plane, and it's a celebration of of uh, uh, events in well, between 20 and 24 when Lauren Harris was painting up on Superior. He painted 54, 55 paintings of Pick Island and he found it kind of a very spiritual place which coincided with his uh, religious uh, beliefs at that time. He was a theosophist and so this uplifting form, kind of triangular form, uh, just suited uh, some of the tenets of the faith and so he um, he did uh, Lake Superior North Shore. Great. Um, Ian Tamblin, thank you very much for your time. And we're going to be back next week with part two of this fantastic interview with Ian. Once again, this has been Trent Voices, and we'll see you next Tuesday. shimmering rain Oh, for the yearning in the day I will stand before you as I pray Take me up to a higher plane Blackened stump bleached by the sun Oh, for the yearning in Reaching up to kingdom come There will be no brighter day Blind and light flash off the sea Oh God, the northern shore Each bend and curve to beckon me Shake me to my very core Blinding light flash off the sea Oh God, the northern shore Each bend and curve to beckon me Shake me to my very Island dark in a perfect form 
Oh, for the yearning in my days In the arms of the North I am reborn There will be no brighter day So give me blacks and give me blues Oh, for the whites and the yellows too From them I blend subtler hues There will be no brighter day Where the lake goes on beyond my eyes And the light goes on beyond my dreams Where the spirit grows it never dies Where the west wind blows the Where the lake goes on beyond my eyes And the light goes on beyond my dreams Where the spirit grows and never dies Where the west wind blows the jet pine leaves